overcoming fear. <clears throat> overcoming fear. And uh, I want to share with you another verse from the New Testament, if I may. You need not turn to it. 2 Timothy chapter 1, in verse number 7, the Bible says this, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, and of love, and of a sound mind. Everyone in this room battles with fear. In some shape, manner, or form, we all deal with it. And this morning, I want to give you some Bible principles from this story, from this passage, about how to overcome fear. And uh, let's pray together. Father, I pray that you would uh, use what will be said. <clears throat> Father, I, w- I don't want to say anything that would in any way uh, uh, bring any kind of shame or, or reproach upon the name of our Savior. Father, I pray that you would uh, help me to say exactly what you would say if you were standing in this, in this room this morning. I pray that you would uh, help us to focus our attention on your word and on the preaching of it. I pray that you would uh, give us not only uh, an open mind to hear, but an open heart to receive the truth that you have for this hour. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. (coughs) Excuse me. Fear (coughs) is a part of our life. Everybody here deals with it uh, on a regular basis. Now, we have, uh, in some cases, we've learned to cope with it. In some cases, we uh, we kind of... uh, uh, set it aside, but everybody, depending on where you are in your walk, where you are in your uh, stage of life, if you will, deals with certain types of fears. For some people, they deal with fears about, uh, about their health. Some folks deal with fears concerning relationships. Some folks deal with fears about the future. Many of us uh, deal with fears about, uh, about the future and what lies ahead and, and, uh, and so on. I love the song the lady sang just a few moments ago. Sometimes you just have to stand still and let God be God. And uh, that's a wonderful truth in and of itself. We have a tendency to fear a lot of things. Uh, phobias is what the world calls them. Uh, I don't know how some of you may, you may have certain phobias of certain things. Some of you, how many of you, you're afraid of heights? Anybody here, you're afraid of heights. You, you, don't, you don't like heights. I don't particularly like heights myself. Uh, a month ago or so, we were in Chicago, and, and uh, we took uh, Timothy and a friend of his up to the, it used to be called the Sears Tower, now it's the Willis Tower. And they went in a few years ago, and they made, uh, they made this, little, this little glass, uh, it's not glass, it's, it's very thick glass, but it's, uh, it's a, a transparent platform where you can walk out and look straight down uh, to street level. And uh, I don't know about you, but that, that kind of weirded me out just a little bit. And, uh, and it was, of course, it, it was nighttime, and so it wasn't quite as, uh, as ominous because you, <laughs> you don't know what's below you anyway, dark. <laughs> but uh, uh, pastor didn't go out there on that ledge. Sorry. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, you know, I don't mind airplanes, but something about standing uh, 15 feet above street level and looking down past your feet to be able to see it, and it looks like nothing's there, I don't like that feeling. Uh, <clears throat> many years ago, I, was, uh, I happened to mention to some junior high teenagers that I was working with that our church secretary at the time had a phobia of spiders. Anybody here, you don't like spiders? All right, a few of you. And uh, <clears throat> the, uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't mention this to these boys with the intent of them acting upon what I had said. But I happened to say to them, I said, you know what, Ms. Warcroft, she really hates spiders. She hates spiders, and it doesn't matter what kind of spider it is. I said... You can even, a plastic spider would make her go just nuts. And I happened to say that, and as soon as I said it, I caught myself, but it was too late. 
I saw the wheels turning, you know what I mean? And uh, I didn't think anything of it. <laughs> About three or four days later, I'm sitting in my office, and Ms. Rorcross' office was, I don't know, probably uh, 20, 30 feet away from, from my office door. And I sat down. I was just minding my own business, just you know, working diligently. And, uh, <clears throat> and all of a sudden, I heard the most blood-curdling scream you have ever heard in your life. Ah! I mean, it was unbelievable. A lot higher pitched than that. <laughs> And, uh, and I ran out of the office. I, you know, I ran, <laughs> I didn't know what had happened. And what, uh, she was, she was uh, standing there as, as, as far away from her desk as she could get because those junior high boys had put just a couple of plastic little spiders on her chair. And she went nuts. And uh, she's petrified of spiders. Now, me personally, uh, spiders don't bother me, but I hate snakes. I hate snakes. In fact, I'm working on a message. I've had it in my file for a while and haven't uh, felt the liberty to preach it yet uh, about I hate snakes. <laughs> but uh, but I, I don't like snakes. In fact, the, the, the one saving grace of wintertime in, uh, in the north is you don't see any snakes. <laughs> uh, even they got sense enough to go underground. <laughs> but, uh, but I hate snakes. And uh, I have a fear of them. And, uh, but all of us could talk about different fears that we have. And as we get older, the temptation, comes for, uh, to, uh, the, the temptation becomes more prevalent for fear of even more things. Uh, you know, sometimes young people, they don't have the same fears that we have as we get older. Uh, sometimes young people, they're too dumb to get scared about some things. You know, they ain't got no sense. Uh, I, was, uh, I took a group of kids one time to Hanging Rock State Park, uh, just about 20 miles north of Winston-Salem, and we went up there. And Hanging Rock State Park, uh, I, I'm, I'm shocked that there's no federal re regulations that have come in to change this, but basically it's just uh, it's a, it's a mountain, and you hike up the top of that mountain, and there's a cliff, and you can walk all the way. You can jump off the cliff if you'd like to, and it, it's a state park. I can't believe that. Put rails or something up there. I took a group of young people there a few years ago. And, uh, and I told him, I said, now look, when we get to the top of this, I said, you let me get in, in, uh, at the front of the line and because we don't want anybody getting too close to that ledge. And uh, wouldn't you know it, a couple of teenage girls, about 13, 14 years old, they decided they were, going to, they were goofing off playing around. And I thought everybody was behind me. And I turned around, I looked, and there they were standing within about five feet of the edge of that cliff. And it was about a, I'm, I'm thinking, five or 600 foot drop off right there. And my heart just sank. I thought, I can see it now. I'm going to get home, and uh, mom's going to be waiting on her daughter, and I'm going to have to tell her, I don't know what happened. Last time I saw her, she was standing at the, at the edge of a cliff, <laughs> and I thought, that's not going to be good. You know, as a youth pastor, you always want to bring the same number of people home that you took with you, and, uh, and so, <clears throat> but uh, I was, I was, but they didn't have any, they, they, they had no more sense than to get as close to the edge of that cliff as they did, and uh, they, they were too dumb to be scared. And, uh, but, you know, as we get older, sometimes our fears are more prevalent. They're more realized. And, and uh, things that we used to be able to do, we can't do them anymore. Or we see things, uh, problems on the horizon of life and, and fear sets in. I want to talk to you and I want to help you on this subject of overcoming fear. And this is a wonderful passage about this because here we see a man named Joshua who had a legitimate reason to be somewhat fearful. I want you to put yourself in Joshua's shoes for just a few moments, or sandals. <laughs> uh, but put yourself in Joshua's position. Here, Moses has just passed away. God took Moses on to heaven. Moses perhaps was the, uh, one of the greatest, if not the greatest 
leader, humanly speaking, in, in human history. Just an unbelievable leader. God used him in an incredible way. Uh, and, uh, and it doesn't get much more daunting than the task that faced Joshua at this time. Moses had gone on to heaven, and uh, Joshua had been, uh, had been selected by the Lord to pick up the mantle of Moses and to lead God's people, two and a half to three million of them, uh, across the Jordan River and into what we call the Promised Land or the land of Canaan. And several times in this passage, John, uh, Joshua chapter 1, we read words such as this, Be of good courage. Be of good courage. We see the words, Be not afraid. Uh, Joshua, don't be scared. Joshua, fear not. Joshua, uh, be of good courage. In fact, in verse 9 it says, Have not I commanded thee, be of good courage. God said, Joshua, not only am I, I'm not just suggesting you to be of good courage, I'm commanding you, be of good courage. Hey, Joshua, uh, you've got a big job ahead of you, and so I, want you to, I don't want you to be fearful. I don't want you to be intimidated by it. I want you to have faith in God. I want you to trust me. I want you to, uh, uh, to depend upon me. We're going to get through this thing together, but Joshua, what I don't want you to do is fear. I don't want you to let fear run your life. I don't want you to let fear control your actions. I don't want you to let fear make your decisions. I want you to depend upon me, and I want you to overcome fear, and I want to help you with that this morning. Uh, I want you to know several things about this subject of overcoming fear. Number one, somebody has to do the job. Somebody has to do the job. You see... Moses was one of the greatest leaders in the history of mankind. There was nobody quite like him. Now that God had taken Moses to heaven, there was still a job that had to be done. You understand something? When Moses went to heaven, God took him kind of in the middle of a project. In fact, humanly speaking, you look at why Moses went to heaven when he did, and you kind of scratch your head a little bit and say, why did God do that? Because if you remember back to the beginning of Moses' assignment, he was an 80-year-old man, and God said, Moses, I want you to go down to Egypt, and I want you to give a message to Pharaoh and tell him simply, let my people go. And you know all the story about how that Moses went down there and, and the, uh, the ten plagues in Egypt, and eventually uh, uh, Pharaoh did let God's people go, and uh, two and a half to three million people exited the land of Egypt. That's why they, we have the, the, the book of Exodus. It's talking about the exodus from Egypt and into the, the wilderness and their travels to the promised land. But that was 40 years before the death of Moses. And, uh, and Moses, of course, uh, was in the middle or, or toward the completion of this assignment of getting God's people from Egypt to the promised land, and God decides it's time for him to go to heaven. And, of course, you know the story. God told Moses years before this that he would not enter into the promised land because of, uh, of an indiscretion there and, and how he smote the rock in Horeb instead of speaking to it the second time like God told him to. But that's neither here nor there. But um, nonetheless, Moses was gone. He was, he was gone. There were, there, were, there were still a job to do. God's people were still in the wilderness. They had not yet uh, uh, occupied the land of Canaan like God promised that they would. And now it's Joshua's turn. It's his turn to pick up the mantle of leadership and to go on. There were giants to face in the, in the land of Canaan. Uh, there were obstacles to overcome. There were victories that had to be won. And someone had to be available to lead the way. You say, well, who in the world would want to assume the leadership of the children of Israel after Moses goes to heaven? He'd have to be crazy. <laughs> That's probably what Joshua was thinking. 
He's thinking to himself, you know what? <clears throat> and you want me to take Moses' place? You want me to step into a position that Moses used to occupy? I'm not worthy for that. I'm not, I'm not equipped for that. I'm not qualified for that. I'm sure all of those thoughts raced through Joshua's mind. But nonetheless, there was a job that had to be done. Was Joshua scared? What do you think? <laughs> you think <clears throat> that Joshua was a little bit hesitant? I believe he was. I believe that's the whole reason why God penned the, or, or had the words penned, the, the message that came to Joshua. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and very courageous. Be not afraid. <clears throat> why did God say that? Because I believe Joshua was scared to death. I'm simply saying God, has a, God had a job that needed to be done. Uh, uh, God has a job for you to do. God has a plan for your life. God has a will, a design, a specific path that he wants you to travel in this thing called life. And, and he has a unique set of battles just for you to face. Whoever said <clears throat> that the Christian life would be a trouble-free life lied. <laughs> That's not the case. God never came to us and said that your life would be problem-free, risk-free. God never came to us and said that there would be no battles to face or no trials to endure. He never said that. He did say, however, I don't want you to be afraid. I don't want you to operate. I don't want, to, I don't want you to live from the platform of fear. I want you to live from the platform of faith. God has... A, God has a, a unique set of battles for you to face. You have your own set of giants to contend with. Think about this. When God's people got to the brink of the Jordan River, they knew what was on the other side because many years ago they sent spies over there. They said, hey, the sons of Anak are over there, and they're giants over there. Joshua was aware of that. He knew that there were incredible obstacles to face. He knew that there were, there were battles to be won, but he also knew this. He had a big God. He had a big God. And when you compare your, your, what you're, the object of your fear to the size of your God, you can go forward. You can go forward. We'll get to that here in just a few moments. You can tuck tail and run if you want to. You can avoid your troubles or your battles if you want to. But every, look, everybody wants to live in Canaan, but there are a few people who are willing to deal with giants. Remember the report that came back? From the, uh, from the spies about how good a land Canaan was to live in. They talked about, oh man, the grapes of Eskel are, are over there. In fact, they brought back a sampling of the grapes of Eskel. <clears throat> and, uh, uh, you know, just, just a huge cluster of grapes. And it took, it took uh, two men who had a, a pole on their shoulder and, and one standing behind the other one, the pole in the middle of them, and, and they just draped that cluster of grapes over that pole just to bring back the evidence of what a wonderful place Canaan was to live. And they said, man, look at these grapes, and it's a land that flows with milk and honey. Uh, but one thing, there is one small issue that we have to deal with. What's that? Well, there's, there's giants over there. We're not talking about the New York giants either. He said there, there's, there's, there, there's giants over there. There, there. There's mammoth people over there, and, uh, and, and we are like grasshoppers in their sight, they said. <laughs> that's a, that's, a, that's a, quite the comparison right there. We look like grasshoppers compared to these people. If you're not careful, you're focused on the obstacles and you'll miss the fact that there's a job to be done. Hey, you've got a life to live. You've got a life to live. I, you know, I don't know what your, your fears are. I know there's a, there's a, 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 a whole 
wide cross-section of people in this room and people of different ages and different backgrounds and different phases and stages of life and each stage brings with it a new set of fears. But hey, you can't live your life fearful. You got to go on. You got to muster up that courage. God said to Joshua, have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage. I'm talking to folks in here, you've lost loved ones in recent days. You've got to go on in faith and not fear. I'm talking to folks in here this morning and, and you're under a doctor's care and you've got some specific health issues that you're facing right now. You've got to go on in faith and not in fear. I'm simply saying you've got a life to live. There's a job that had to be done right here and Joshua was the man to do it. Not only that, I want you to see number two. Realize that God has been preparing you for this time. God has been preparing you for what you're facing right now. Say, preacher, what are you talking about? I want you to see this matter of overcoming fear is the fact that God has been preparing you. Joshua wasn't just some overzealous guy that jumped into something over his head. <laughs> Who was Joshua? This guy, this, how, how did Joshua go from being a rank-and-file member of the children of Israel to the leader of the nation to take up the mantle that Moses left behind after he went to heaven? Why Joshua? Joshua wasn't just some fly-by-night guy who said, hey, I can do this. <laughs> and by the way, usually the guy, the, the guy who's fit to lead is the guy who's not looking to lead. You know, some of the greatest leaders that our country has ever seen have been men who were forced into leadership. They weren't looking for, to win a popularity contest. They weren't looking to, be, uh, to, to, to wage some political campaign. The best statesmen that this country's ever had have been, have been men who didn't feel themselves necessarily qualified to lead, <clears throat> but they were prepared because of service before they were chosen to lead. That was the case with Joshua. Joshua, the Bible says, if you read previous chapters in, uh, as, as God's people are wandering through the wilderness, you read many times where Joshua is simply referred to as Moses' minister. Moses' minister. Joshua was a servant. He was somebody who was chosen to lead by. God had his hand upon him. God had, his, uh, <clears throat> God had his eye upon Joshua as the next leader of God's people because Joshua proved himself as a servant. As a servant. He was, he was being prepared for that moment. Can I help you with something this, uh, this morning? Uh, God's been preparing you for what you're facing right now. You're, you are equipped to handle what you're, what you're tempted to be fearful of right now. You say, well, preacher, how do you know that? How do you know that? Well, because the Bible says that God hath not given us a spirit of fear. God hath not given us the spirit of fear. Well, let me ask you a question. If God did not give you the spirit of fear, where do you suppose it came from? The Bible says you have three enemies, the world, the flesh, the devil. You can pick any of those that you want, <clears throat> but God said, if you've got a spirit of fear, I didn't give it to you. And he said to Joshua, hey, have not I commanded you, be not afraid. Only, hey, I want you to be of good courage. I'm simply saying, uh, Joshua may not have realized, that, uh, what he may not have realized was the fact that all those years of serving Moses was preparing him for service in a different way. 
preparing him for leadership. Several times, Joshua was simply referred to as Moses' minister. He wasn't looking for a title. He wasn't looking for a position. He wasn't looking for somebody to pat him on the back. He wasn't looking for someone to, uh, he wasn't looking to, to, to boss anyone. He was simply doing what he did. He was serving Moses. And the day came when Moses was gone and said, I know who my man is right there. It's Joshua. Joshua, it's time for you to lead. Now you go do it. And don't be scared. Now Joshua was able to look at the future through the eyes of faith and not fear, realizing that God had used his past to prepare him for the future, and that's exactly what you need to do this morning. You need to look at your future through the eyes of faith and not fear and realize that everything that has happened in your life has prepared you for what you're facing right now, and you can go on. You can go on. You can say, oh, preacher, I, I, I don't know how I'm, I, I'm facing this giant in my future. I'm facing this daunting mountain in my future. I'm facing this problem in my future. I don't know how we're going to deal with it. I don't know, I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know how we're going to, uh, to approach this. Hey, <clears throat> there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. That word temptation there is synonymous with the word testing. There hath no testing taken you, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But then I love the next few words, but God is faithful. God is faithful. Hey, the same God that brought you through the last test, the same God that brought you through the last trial, the same God that brought you through the last heartache, the same God that brought you through the last uh, uh, unknown uh, X factor in your life is the same God that will bring you through whatever it is you're facing today. Hey, I'm saying don't look at your future through eyes of fear. Look at your future through eyes of faith. Said so number one, there was a job that still had to be done. Number two... Realize that God's been preparing you. Number three, realize that you serve the same God that Moses served. I like this a lot. Realize that you serve the same God today that Moses served some 4,000 years ago or so. Look at, look at verse number five in your text, if you would. If you have a Bible open in front of you. John, uh, Joshua chapter one, verse number five. <clears throat> there shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I'll be with thee. I will not forsake, I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Notice what it says. As I was with Moses. As I was with Moses. You know, that little phrase had to be a great comfort to Joshua. You know, I serve the same God that Moses served. Joshua's thinking, you know what? The same God that was there for Moses on the banks of the Red Sea some 40 years before. The same God that said to Moses, hey, Moses, that rod that's in your hand, that's my rod. You take that rod and stretch it out over the Red Sea and see what I can do. And Moses did it, and we all know what God did. And Joshua probably replayed in his life. By the way, Joshua was just a young man when that happened. Just a young man. He was there. He knew what happened. And he probably rewind, uh, he, he would rewind in his mind the, <clears throat> the whole scenario of how water came from the rock and the manna from heaven that we talked about last week and, and the Ten Commandments and all those wonderful things. And as I was with Moses, hey, you know what? I've got the same God that Moses had. Hey, you know what? I serve the same creator of the universe that Moses did. He's no less capable of helping me, Joshua is thinking, than he was to help Moses. May I say to you this morning, 
you got the same God that Moses had. The same, uh, you know, yeah, <clears throat> Moses uh, uh, appeared, or God appears to Moses at the burning bush before he ever started into his task. And, and, uh, and there's a conversation between Moses and the Lord there from the, at the burning bush. And God said to Moses, or, or Moses said to God, uh, God, if the people down in Egypt, if they ask who sent me, what do I tell them? And God said, Moses, you tell them the I am has sent you. The I am. Not the I was. Not the I will be. Not the I used to be. He said, Moses, if the people ask you who sent you, you look at them and you say, the I am has sent me. Hey, God is the present tense God. He's not the God of 4,000 years ago, but now he's on vacation and he really doesn't much care about what happens in your life. No, he's the I am God. Not the I used to be God. Not the I used to do great things God. Not the I used to do miracles God. Not the I used to pull from my people God. No, he's the I am God. And the same God that was with Moses. The same God that was with Joshua. The same God that was with David. The same God that was with Daniel. The same God that was with Paul. The same God that was with the apostles. Is the same God in 2016 who's, who's ready and willing and able to help you with whatever it is you're facing today. Same God. By the way, <clears throat> our fears are magnified when we focus more on ourselves and on our inadequacy instead of focusing on God and His power. Don't miss it. Our fears are magnified, they're made bigger. You know, our thing this year is to magnify Him. You know what? It's really hard to magnify Him when we're busy magnifying our fears, magnifying our trials, magnifying our troubles. <clears throat> Magnifying our issues. Hey, why don't we, when we magnify him, all of a sudden my fears get a little smaller. But hey, our fears are magnified when we focus more on ourselves and on our inadequacy instead of focusing on God and his power. Who are you focusing on this morning? If your focus is on him, your fears are getting smaller. If you're focusing on him, you're, you're, you're taking on more good courage. You see, courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is, is focusing on, on the Lord, focusing on Christ, and minimizing your fears. So, I said number one, there's still a job to do. Number two, realize God's been preparing. And number three, realize you serve the same God that Moses served. And then I want you to see this. Number four, chart your course and follow the plan. Chart, I'm talking about overcoming fear now. What do we do? Chart your course and follow the plan. Look at verse number 7. Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mightest, don't, don't miss what it says, that thou mightest observe, or that thou mayest observe, to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper with the servant thou goest. Verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. He said, Joshua, the commandments and the law that I gave to Moses on Mount Sinai, they still work. They still work. Joshua, <clears throat> this is your success manual. This is your foolproof way of serving me. Joshua, this is a, a, a guaranteed thing. He said, Joshua, chart your course and follow the plan. 
You don't need to be afraid because my law still works. The plan is still effective. You just need to follow the plan. And may I say to all of us this morning, all we need to do as we face our fears, as we overcome fears in life, one stage at a time, one problem at a time, one mountain at a time, chart your course and follow the plan. What's the plan? What's the course? What's the, what's the, uh, uh, what's the book? What's the success manual? Here it is. Here it is. There is security and confidence in knowing where you're going. Hey, I got news for you. I've read the back of the book, and we win. We win. I've read the last few chapters of the book of the Revelation, and I can say with confidence this morning, I'm on the winning side. I may not know everything that's going to happen between here and the end, but I know in the end, I'm a winner. I'm on the winning team. I'm on the winning side. Hey, that's awesome. That's a wonderful thing to be assured of. And the plan for conquering Canaan was passed down from Moses to Joshua. Didn't change. The plan didn't change. The leader changed. The personality changed. But the plan was still the same. The plan was still the same. Uh, It was a plan of holy living for God's people. It was a plan of faith in God. It was a plan of going forward. Joshua didn't need to reinvent the wheel. He just needed to stay with the plan. And and members of Lake Crest Baptist Church and guests that are with us today, may I say to all of us, we don't need to reinvent the wheel. We don't need to come up with some other cute way. We just need to stay with the plan. Stay with the plan. Oh, but pastor, I I don't understand what the future holds. Stay with the plan. things don't seem as certain as they used to be. Uh, You serve a God who never changes. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Your circumstances may change, but he doesn't. Your outlook on life may change, but his word doesn't change. I'm simply saying we need to stay with what works. Holy living, faith in God, going forward. We, uh, We open the door for fear to dominate our life when we deviate from the plan. So if I want to keep fear in check in my life, I need to regularly check to make sure that I'm in step with the Word of God. That's what I need to do. <clears throat> Preachers, I, as I, you know, well, how do I approach this thing? How do I, how do I go forward? Well, <clears throat> you believe in God and uh, you trust in Him, but every now and then we need to stop and, and, and take some inventory of our own life and say, okay, am I doing what God wants me to do? Am I in step with his plan? Am I following his direction? And have I deviated from the word of God? That's something we ought to ask ourselves because he doesn't change. We change. We change. You know, someone once said, if you don't feel close to God today, right now, the question is this, who moved? Who moved? Truth is, if, I don't, if I'm not close to the Lord today, he never changes that means I'm out of step with him. I need to come back to where he is because he's, he's where he, he is right where he was when I walked away. Hey, I'm simply saying <clears throat> sometimes our, fear, our, our fears are self-inflicted because we stray away from our God. We stray away from his book. It's time for us to get back to the plan. Realize that God wants you to stick with the plan. Chart your course and follow the plan. And then the last thing. And we're done. Just I'll, I'll briefly mention this. Realize that God is not sending you. He's with you. God is not sending you. He is with you. Let me read you the verse again in uh, Joshua chapter 1 and verse number 5. 
There shall not any man be able to, uh, to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Can I tell you something? That promise holds true for you as much as it did for Joshua. Jesus said to his disciples, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Jesus said to his disciples before he went back to heaven, he said, if I go away, he said, I'm going to send someone who's going to be with you all the time. He's the comforter. He's the Holy Spirit of God. And 1 Corinthians chapter 6 is very plain about the fact the Holy Spirit takes up residence in the bodies of those of us who've trusted Christ. <clears throat> hey, I'm, I'm, I'm here to give you some good news this morning. God isn't sending you out to face your fears by yourself. He's with you. He's with you. He promised he'd never leave you. Sometimes, as I mentioned a moment ago, sometimes we leave him. Sometimes we walk away from him in our devotion. We walk away from him in our fellowship. We walk away from him in our lack of following his plan and his guidance and his laws. But he never leaves us. He never leaves us. Overcoming fear. What is it this morning that you're fearful of? May I just sum everything up by saying this? Why don't we decide that we're going to approach our fears from the perspective of faith? Let's approach our future by faith and not our fears. Don't operate scared. God's with you. Hey, don't, don't, don't approach those, <clears throat> those golden years, those senior years of life, fearful about what the future may hold. Hey, the same God that brought you safe thus far will lead you safely home, the songwriter said. I'm simply saying, God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love, and of a sound mind. You know, there are some folks here this morning, you have a legitimate fear of the future because you don't know what the future holds as far as your eternal destiny is concerned. There are some folks in this room this morning, <clears throat> you're fearful about what's going to happen to you or what may happen to you or what you're not sure is going to happen to you after you pass from this life into eternity. God has that covered too. He's got that covered. 2,000 years ago, he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, into this world. And Jesus <clears throat> paid the sin debt that I owed so that I would not have to face a future without God in a lake of fire called hell. And many years ago, I put my faith and trust in what Jesus Christ did for me in his finished work on Calvary, in his death, and his burial, and his resurrection. And that's all. Not my church attendance, not my baptism, not my confirmation, <clears throat> not, uh, not, not anything else. It was Jesus and Jesus alone and what he did for me. And guess what? My future was settled. I didn't have to live in fear about what happened after death. I didn't have to live in fear about what eternity held in store for me because Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain and he washed it white as snow. Hey, God does not want us to live in fear of eternity. God does not want us to live in fear of what today or tomorrow holds. He said, look at your future through eyes of faith and not fear. Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed.